Hi and welcome to Social Work Sorted, the podcast. I'm Vicky Shevlin. I host this podcast and I lead Social Work Sorted, which is an online platform for newly qualified social workers. I have a website, a blog, Instagram page, Facebook, LinkedIn, a podcast. It's all under Social Work Sorted. And if you are interested or want to follow me on any of those, all the information is in the show notes. I create courses, guides. I do in-person and online training for universities and organizations. And I have an amazing membership for students and newly qualified social workers where you can access bite-sized learning resources, live Q&As, and a private group where we are able to connect with each other, share knowledge, share learning. Again, if you're interested in that, all the information is in the notes of this podcast. This is the second in a mini series on home visits to celebrate my new home visit guide. If you haven't already listened, last episode was all about how we define what home is. And today I want to talk about safety on home visits because it's a really important topic for social workers, because it is something that is included in the guide. There is a lot that focuses on planning and preparation and that contributes to safety. And it's important for us to reframe some ideas about safety as well. The first thing that I will say for new social workers and student social workers on placement is that when we are thinking about our safety on home visits, it can be really easy to step into the habit of pathologizing people. By that, I mean that we label people as risks. And that is not the case. That is not how we should be doing a risk assessment. People are people. People are not risks. The people that we go and visit and often see on home visits and the people that we might label as risks are often people who've experienced significant trauma. It doesn't mean that we accept abuse. It doesn't mean that we accept aggression. It means that we understand the context of that person's lived experience. It means that we understand that labeling them as a risk to begin with, rather than thinking about their risky behaviors, means that we go one step towards pathologizing them instead of separating the person from what they are doing. And if we're not able to do that, if we're not able to separate the person from what they are doing, we're entering into that home visit with judgment. We are effectively saying, I'm not sure if this person can change because they are their behaviors. The alternative in thinking that they're doing what they're doing for a reason gives you a much different perspective. Saying that, your safety is absolutely important. So I'm not saying that we should ever compromise when we feel unsafe. Nobody can tell you what safe feels like for you. That's really important to think about because you might have a social worker who has you know, been in social work for 20, 30 years. Maybe you have that person in the office who almost tries to wear it as a badge of honor that nothing bothers them. That happened to me when I was working as a new social worker. And it always made me feel like my feelings didn't matter. It made me feel like when I felt scared or when I felt intimidated, that it was all on me and that I should just suck it up and get on with it because, you know, that person seems to be fine and they're not bothered about going on the visit alone. But nobody can tell you what safe feels like for you. Just like when we're with children, young people, nobody can define what safety means for them. So really thinking about if you feel unsafe, there's a reason why, and that's what you need to work on. You don't compare yourself to what everybody else in the office is doing. If you feel like you can't do a visit alone, don't do that visit alone. It doesn't matter if anybody else is saying, oh yeah, we'd be fine, there's nothing to worry about. That is the most important thing in safety planning, it's you. Because if you are not able to keep yourself safe, you're not gonna be able to be a safe person for a child, a young person. Because if you can't keep yourself safe or if you're not safe, you cannot provide or give safety to other people. That is really important. 
Another thing that is important to remember is how our intersectionality impacts safety. I am a white woman and I have never experienced racism on a home visit by proxy of that because of white supremacy, because of the way race is constructed. For many of my colleagues I've worked with over the years who are racialized as black or brown, they have experienced racism when they've been on home visits. There is an increased risk to them because of the nature of racism. And that is something that we really need to think about. And you either need to be thinking about it in a way of how you can support your colleagues, or you need to be thinking about it if you're listening and you're a manager of how you actually risk assess specifically thinking about the impact of racism. And you need to be thinking about that if you're a new social worker and you want to think about ways that you advocate for yourself as well. We cannot just ignore or minimize the impact of that on social workers when they are going out on visit. One thing that is really important to do, and I've kind of just touched upon it, but it is that process of risk assessment. And often we think of risk assessment as a formal document. You know, it's something that we tick boxes in and it has to be submitted and it's either on a computer or a piece of paper. Risk assessment can be really dynamic. Risk assessment can literally be me saying to you, what are you worried about? What do you think might happen? What can we do to mitigate that? Does it mean another person needs to come out with you? Does it mean that you do this visit earlier in the day? So don't just think of a risk assessment as something formal. Risk assessment is the process that you need to go through when you are planning for a home visit. And you don't have to do this alone, especially as a student or new social worker, you want to be doing this in partnership with your practice educator, with your senior colleagues, or with your manager. So don't forget that you can go through a risk assessment, that process, it could take five minutes, but it could add to your safety when you are going out on a home visit. And it's better than not having the conversation. In my home visit guide, I have an entire page dedicated to those questions, thinking through how you can undertake that risk assessment, things that you want to consider. There is a number of support, reflective activities, information about planning and preparation that can help you mitigate risk, as well as your case note example, examples on how you can look at risk, what you do when things all go wrong and things that happen that you completely didn't expect, and some common challenges as well, as well as conflict. But what I want to focus on now is a few things that you can do when you are thinking about planning your visit. And again, this is all in the guide, but I'm gonna go through some of them with you in the hope that if you've got home visits today or tomorrow, whenever you're listening, you can go through these. First of all, think about the time of day that you are visiting. If it sounds obvious, then great, but often we really don't think about this. And when you are busy, when you are overwhelmed, you're trying to fit everything in whenever you can. And it might mean that you miss the fact that you have booked in a 4.30 visit to share some significant information that might increase the likelihood of conflict. Or it might be a visit where there is already an identified risky behavior. There's somebody in that house who really doesn't like social workers or who maybe has made threats against social workers before. So really think about the time of day that you're visiting because you will know if you're either on placement or in practice that if something happens at half four or five o'clock, it is going to be harder to manage than if it happens at 10 in the morning because of the nature of the way our services are set up. And that is a whole other story in terms of the nine to five and how inaccessible it is. But whilst you work within a general system that runs on nine to five, if you have a visit where you envision envision that something is going to be more difficult, can you book that in for the morning when you know that people are around, when your manager is in, when there are colleagues there to support you, when there are other services that are working? The next thing to think about is 
how you get there. So again, it might seem really obvious, but making sure that you know where you're going, often in duty and assessment teams, you might be going out to visits for the first time and you might be doing that under a duty rotor when things are really busy. Thinking about that journey, having a look on Google Maps, again, it might sound like the most obvious thing in the world, but when you are in a rush, when you are worried, you can take addresses down wrong, you can write postcodes down wrong. If you have a look on Google Maps, and this is especially for people like me who aren't so good at directions, it just gives you one step ahead so you know what you're looking for. You can have a look at things like parking, you can have a look at road names, you can have a look at whether there's anything nearby that's gonna give you an indication of the fact that you're going to the right place. And then being aware of that location, it means if you're driving, you can park your car maybe a little distance away from a home if you want it to be, Sometimes social workers in in extremely high risk situations may not want people to recognize their car or their number plate. And that's not again to fear monger, that's something that can be really practical. And it can often make us feel safer as well, even if there isn't a direct risk that somebody who, you know, has displayed risky behavior, there's not a direct risk that they're going to look at our number plate or know what car we have but sometimes and I know colleagues where that has been used as an intimidation technique so if that's something that you are worried about even if it hasn't happened yet you can ease that worry yourself by just parking a little bit away from a property and that's easier to do when you have an idea of where you are going and what's around the property. The final thing to think about and there's so much more inside the guide is thinking about how you could leave the property if things became unsafe. And this can happen in any visit, even if you don't identify a risk that could occur or you know somebody's behavior that might cause some risk to your safety. It can be helpful to think about because when you're in the moment and you're really stuck and you haven't thought about this already, you will stay perhaps in that freeze mode. One thing that I would do is either say I've left something in my car and I've done this before at a time when I worked in social work and I didn't drive, I was getting public transport when I worked in London and I would still maybe say something like I've left a form in the car, I just need to go and get it or I'm so sorry, I'm getting a phone call through and I need to go and make that phone call. Sometimes you have to do what you have to do to remove yourself from a situation because you will be far more help to the people in that home when you have removed yourself from the situation and you can ask for help or support or even ring your manager. And this can be helpful, not necessarily if there is a immediate risk, but if you feel like there is an increased risk of conflict, if you feel like you're having a really difficult conversation and even if voices are getting raised, or if you recognize that people are becoming agitated or unregulated, sometimes the safest thing to do is to take a pause. And you can say that to people, you can say, do you know what? I'm going to step outside for five minutes. And if you want me to come back in, we can carry on the conversation, then that's fine. But I just want to give you a break. And it must be really hard for you to have me in your home, in your space, sharing this information. And you can take control of that situation and step away. Because often what is happening for people is a result of the fear. There is a fear of social workers. There is a fear of intervention. Many people do not have a choice in the fact that you are in their home. And you can be the most well-meaning, kind, compassionate social worker that I know you are and they will still have that reaction because this is about so much more than just you. So remembering three key things, the time of day that you are visiting, really important. Think about the safest time of day, who can be there to support you. Thinking about where you are going because often social workers have a reputation for being late for visits. The times that I've been late for visits have been the times that I didn't take 
three minutes to just double check where I was going and where I could park. And number three, having a way to leave. So having, whether you're with a colleague, you can have a signal to each other that it's time to take a pause or just you practicing saying those things out loud so that when you're in the situation and you might need to step out of somebody's home for whatever reason, you can do that almost without thinking about it. You don't stumble over your words because you've practiced the phrase that you are going to use. What I would love you to take away from this is what I said at the start, people are not risks. We can risk assess, we can keep ourselves safe, we can manage that safety and we can think very rationally about unfortunately some of the worries and some of the incidents that have happened to social workers when they've been on home visits but we don't have to pathologize and we shouldn't pathologize the people that we are going out to see, to help the people whose lives we are intervening with as well. It's so much more than that inside the home visit guide. It is available now. It's an ebook, a PDF download. You can access it as soon as you purchase. And as well as going through planning, preparation, thinking about your safety, there is also a full case note example and template that you can use when you're going out on home visits with examples of how you can write those observations as well. If you found this podcast helpful, please let me know. I am literally just sat talking into my computer. And whilst I'm happy to do it, it is always nice to get a message that just says I've listened to this and it was really helpful and I'm probably going to do a few more invitations like that for people to actually respond to me because I realize that working online I need that I'm much better in person anyway but it is just always really nice to have that connection and probably if you are listening to this podcast and you've never spoken to me we've never been in touch you've never sent me an email you might feel a bit strange about doing it but I am just me sat at the other end of this computer and it is just so nice to be able to connect with people who listen to the podcast and who take it into their practice and yeah I always love to chat so it would be really nice if you have a couple of minutes just to let me know that you've listened to this podcast. If you still don't want to do that, leaving me a rating is also really helpful, but I'd actually much prefer just an email and to know that you are a person on the other end of this than a rating. That is actually much more meaningful. As well as a home visit guide, I also have the child and family assessment guide, which is an ebook download with video tutorials and audio support all around undertaking a child and family assessment. It's a step-by-step guide. It's the most popular thing that I produce because for new social workers, staring at a blank screen or stepping into that home visit with no idea of how you're actually supposed to go about the process of assessment, it can be really difficult. And this guide was created by me because of that, to stop you from feeling that panic before you go into a home visit and do the assessment. Like I said at the start, all the ways of following me, connecting with me, chatting to me, they're all in the show notes. I have a newsletter, The Space. It is a weekly email for newly qualified social workers and it is sent out every single Wednesday. Even if you're not a newly qualified social worker, you might still find it helpful. I always put links to things that I've been reading, listening to, watching and connecting with. So yeah, I'll put the details for that in the show notes. How many times can I say that in one podcast? And finally, if you are local to Birmingham, 
Birmingham or able to travel to Birmingham, I am so excited to be part of the Shared Future in Social Work Conference. This is being held in Birmingham on the 18th of March, so a couple of weeks away, and I am there to run three seminars focusing on navigating your social work career, going to be looking at finding the right employer for you, strategies for interview success, and moving forward, thinking about the next stage of your social work journey. This is going to be amazing for students, for new social workers, or for social workers who are feeling at a bit of a crossroads in their career and not sure where to or social workers who are feeling at a bit of a crossroads in their career. I love doing in-person things. I can't wait to actually be in a room with people. If you have booked a ticket, the tickets are free. So if you've booked a ticket, please let me know as well so I can say hello to you and let me know if you're planning on coming along to one of the sessions. I am also gonna be there throughout the whole day. So hopefully I'll be able to catch up with a lot of you. And I feel like I've bombarded you with information there, but there was a lot that I wanted to say. I hope you have an amazing day. And I want to end this podcast like I always do by encouraging you to slow down with me, to take a couple of deep breaths, relax your shoulders if you need to, and know that this is a space that you can come back to anytime you need to. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and see you soon.